January 2nd, 2018. Can you believe it? And this is Insight Out, the Naked Truth. Coming to you live from the Santa Cruz Mountains of Northern California from Lupin Lodge, where clothing is optional, but the truth is always naked. I'm Errol Strider. And I'm Rochelle Alicia Strider. And once again, we welcome you to our home at Lupin Lodge, the first time in 2018. We invited you over tonight for some conversation about the human condition and what to make of it with all its eccentricities. Sprinkled with laughter, good music, and the many voices of Errol Strider. Oh, it's just good to be with you tonight. This is Father O'Malley. I love hearing the many voices of Errol Strider. We don't get to hear them enough. Well, me too. This is Barney. Errol's got crazy voices, dear, and I like listening to him too. Oh, yeah, this is Professor Schnitzer, and listening to the voices reminds me sometimes of my own voice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> very good. Thank you, guys, and I'm glad you're here with us, and I look forward to hearing what you have to say. And our show is sponsored by Go Raw, nutritious and delicious raw food that's just fantastic. 100% raw food, and we just were in Whole Foods, and we saw a whole rack of it with some new products. So be sure and check that out, and you can find it wherever, Michelle. Go Raw can be found at Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, and the organic section of Costco, to name a few. Just go to GoRaw.com to find out where Go Raw can be found in your neighborhood. Okay. Well, hello, New Year's resolution maker. Let's face it. At this time of the year, we make resolutions for how we're going to be, well, better. But as many of us have discovered over the years, resolutions are easier said than done. Which is why we've selected easier said than done as our featured phrase of the week. Of course, that could apply to almost anything you say you're going to do. Consider these New Year's resolutions. Number 18. I'm going to eat more healthy. I'm going to cut out the carbs, the fats, the sugar. Or number three. I'm going to exercise more. 46. I'm going to be a nicer person. Or 46A. I will be less controlling this year. Ooh. Even if we said that, which is questionable, it's much harder to execute. 327, I'm going to call home more often. Number six, I'm going to forgive those people with whom I still hold a grudge. Or number 12, I'm going to simply keep my word. When you say you're going to do something, actually do it. Simple, but a big challenge for people who may live and work, but a big challenge for people you may live and work with, not to mention yourself. What does it take to actually move from what you say with the best of intentions to taking action, especially if your resolution is to keep your mouth shut about anything you might say unless you can commit to do it? That's number 523, by the way. But if you can't do that, 
Then you can practice New Year's resolution number 238. I'm going to forgive myself for not living up to my expectations for myself. Hmm, definitely easier said than done. Much to consider. So we're going to use our show tonight to explore this issue with you. And we are and continue to be authentically Errol and Rochelle Strider. That's really easier said than done. From my brain came, ah, the words tumble from my mouth with great intention. I will. I may. All located tomorrow. But alas, tomorrow is too soon to exercise the acts that house these intentions. I need to be better prepared, because it is so much easier to say it than do it. Doing requires will and conviction. So I resolve to be more aware of that which I exclaim. Can I act on those words? Am I capable? Is my conviction strong enough? If all is true, then it will be done. If not, it's just that it's easier said than done. (laughs) There's two ways you can deal with the easier said than done problem. One is you can... Do whatever it takes for you to commit to whatever it is you said you're going to do. That's one way to go, and whatever it takes to rev that up. The other, and this is something that I've done more often, is to back off from saying you're going to do anything. Then you're not stuck with the problem. I've found that I don't say as much I'm going to do, but I've had to practice not doing that and really pay attention. Can I really do that? I just said I was going to do that. Then I follow that up with, am I committed? Because I have to lock it in. It has to go on my memo to me download. And over the years, I've made that more and more practice. And it has to do, I guess, with part of the growth of being integrous, having integrity with yourself at least. What happens when someone asks you for something? That's one thing to make commitments and with conviction about things you're going to do for yourself or that only you are responsible for. But when someone asks you for something, they have need that you truly care about fulfilling, and you say yes to it, how committed are you to fulfilling it? I guess I see them as the same. They are the same. It doesn't originate with you is what I mean. But you still have to make that decision. Can you commit to it or not? Do you want to? And in that moment, it's not something that can take a few days because somebody's asking you right away. Would you please help me up? I've just fell down. <laughs> it starts when we're very young, asking these kinds of questions. It's good to revisit. This is the beginning of a new year. Go back to square one, according to several spiritual practices. Beginner's mind is a term that's used to become as a child. Be open to this possibility and allow yourself to start off this year as a child, asking. Oh, Mommy, oh, Daddy, tell me why the sun follows me wherever I go. And when I lay down to sleep, it disappears to where I don't know. 
And in the morning when I rise, the sun is always there to greet me. It shines so bright it hurts my eyes, but its warmth is sure to please me. Oh, mommy, oh, daddy, tell me why the sky is blue. As far as my eyes can see, there is no end to its view. Sometimes when I'm all alone, my mind it gets to wandering. I see the birds flying in the sky, and I wonder where they're going. Oh, mommy, oh, daddy. If I wish upon a star, will then my wish come true? I wish an end to war. Oh, mommy, oh, daddy, is there an answer to my quest? If and when I do know, will my mind be at rest? Ariel, my darling, live your life the best you can, and God will take care of the rest. Yes, God will take care of the rest. I love you. That was a piece called "The Quest" by Valerie Lowe and her little daughter. It was so charming, and there's a purity of of seeking. I love to ponder the notion of God will take care of the rest, because whatever. So it's it's sort of a kind of a back way way of defining God. God is the rest that is being taken care of by the progenitor of it all in the first place. God. God takes care of God. <laughs> <laughs> If I may jump in here, this is Professor Schnitzer, and you're talking about the rest. The rest is quite a lot, actually. Just infinity is doubling itself every few minutes. Last time we checked, it was infinity doubled 489th to the 489th power, which is a lot of infinity. But you can take it in small bite-sized bites, in small bites, and you take a little bit of infinity and you grab it with your life and your will and all the things are about you, and, and you say, what can I make of this here piece of infinity? And of course, you are part of the piece. In fact, you are the first piece. And so you can start with yourself and say to yourself, well, yeah, I'm going to make the best of the piece of infinity that I am. But I like to remind people, it's easier said than done. Isn't a piece of infinity still infinity? Ah, very clever girl. <laughs> very clever. You come out the side of me and you broke into that thought frame and came in from the side entrance and there you were and you look fabulous during that thought. Oh, well, thank you, Professor Schnitzel. Oh, as yeah, as, yeah. As long as you give it credence. Oh, credence. I give it credence and we give it credence in spades. Yeah, many credences. Credence is a good thing and it's uh, something very long for everyone. Thank you. Professor Credence, yeah, like to be credible. Credence, isn't it? Credible? Mm -hmm. 
I was thinking of how, well, somewhat arbitrary is our time, time, which is we have created, and this is a new year. And when we were listening to the television on New Year's Eve, and they said, well, it's already 2018 in Australia. What do you mean? <laughs> and it's already 2018 in China and Japan. <laughs> well, it's now it just turned 2018 in New York, and we're still three hours behind. When are we going to catch up? And yet, we're there in the same moment. The clock may say 9 o'clock here and 12 o'clock in New York, but the thing is that it's simultaneous no matter what's happening. So the truth is that we created the time and the new year. When you create newness for yourself, you say, this is the beginning of my new year. It's the end of my old year. In that, you own it. You own the new year. Whatever it is, whatever time it is, it doesn't matter. And I like to think of my birthday as my new year. But the thing is that to create it and then go, well, what does it mean to have a new year? What does it mean to have an old year? So those are questions I'm throwing up to anybody who wants to answer. Please don't throw up, (laughs) even if it's those questions. Because either way, I'm going to have to clean it up. I hope so. That's why I posed them in the first place. Okay. Of course, it's an arbitrary, well, not completely arbitrary, because there has a cycle. I mean, it was Yes, the sun comes up, the sun goes down. (laughs) And the year goes around once still, isn't it? Just around the year is still once around? <laughs> They're trying to get in two times around in one year, but who knows? Didn't work. <laughs> what I want to focus on is this notion that we say something, then how to put it into action, like the New Year's resolution. Let's unpack that. Oh, I got to use that phrase. I love unpacking. Go, go take it. There's this intent, and it feels good, and it feels right in the moment. I can see people doing that whom I know will never follow through on what they're saying. But in that moment, they seem like they really believe it. So then, what happens? Distraction, forgetfulness, not really intending to do it in the first place. So I would say not full conviction. That would be the catch-all thing. Mm -hmm. But it's the ways we get sidetracked that make life interesting, and to be able to catch ourselves. And that goes back to this thing we talk about, which is having a witness. So this would be a good New Year's resolution. Cultivate the witness, the part of you that is observing the experience and is in fact experiencing your experience. I'll give you a hint. The Lord God of all total being could be the very one experiencing your experience. And in fact, that is the one thing that the source of all being in his benevolent gift of goodwill has asked of us, which is, let me experience your reality through you. If you do, we will make it a grand adventure, because that's my middle name. Grand adventure, saith the Lord. It's easier said than done. Much easier. Even saith the Lord, you know, it's like you said that, but like, what does it mean to a lot of people? I think the word sincerity comes in here. When you say something, 
maybe easier to say than do, how sincere are you about following through when you say it? You may think you're sincere, but how sincere? I mean, if you think you're sincere, but you're not truly sincere, because obviously you weren't sincere if you didn't follow through. Okay, let's unpack sincere. So sincere means that you can harness your entire self. Sometimes we don't follow through because we, we really aren't in command of aspects of ourself, bodily aspects, emotional reaction patterns from the past that can get in the way not being able to deal well with the unexpected. The challenge then becomes how we can catch ourselves. By being the witness, we can begin to see the places we're not connected and then pull them into our command of ourself so that when we do say something, we feel confident that we can fulfill it, at least from our end, because we have gathered all the aspects of ourselves that need to be available for that fulfillment, and, and they got them ready. Easier said than done. Exactly. <laughs> no matter where you go on this spectrum, it's always easier said than done. But I agree with you that in order to fulfill your intention, it is very important to be aware, to witness your words, to hear them, to say, I agree to the very things that come out of your mouth, and then have the will and conviction to follow through. The nice thing about this process, you can start over any moment. Right now, no matter what has come before, we are not victims of the past. This is the beginning, and we can remember the beginning and be conscious of it.
inside the ocean tide, remembering a beginning. As the water climbs up the mountainside, keep your eyes open wide, remembering a beginning. There's a fire burning in the middle of it, is turning wild and yearning for everything. Remains inside these changing skies through weeks in time, remembering the wait to own how the sparrow knows through the days they've flown, how everybody's wondering what has seen these skies below our pride. What the skies have seen, remembering a beginning. The way to home, how the sparrow knows through the days they've flown. How everybody's wondering what has seen these skies below up high. What the skies have seen. Elephant Revival. Wow. Played that, remembering a beginning. Below Our Pride was one of the last lyrics, if you were noticing. Rabbi, could you comment on that uh, in terms of our subject? Pride might come into you saying something like, oh, I'll do that, and you'll feel puffed up, and you're proud of yourself, and but it's a hollow pride, and you have to sometimes go back underneath, like she says, below the pride, because we sometimes we say it, and then we feel guilty, but we cover over the guilt with the false sense of extra value that we put on ourselves, which is the pride, but then we can't keep the agreement, because the pride gets in the way, and it makes it more about how bad or good I am than it is about keeping my uh, agreement. Do what I'm saying I'm doing. That's easier said than done. <laughs> Very much easier said than done. Not to even acknowledge the pride, like pride here, we're going to do some more unpacking. You can take pride in your work. That's, that's So there's like good cholesterol and bad cholesterol. I think there's maybe good pride and not so good pride. But the not so good pride is puffing yourself up. It's more about arrogance, trying to impress someone else or convince the onlooker that you are of some worth and value that, in fact, you may not believe. Otherwise, you wouldn't need to prove it to anyone. <laughs> but it's like seeing these things. Well, we, we say it's easier said than done. We want to say something because we're proud and we must believe in that moment we're going to do that because that false sense of us goes, yeah, I can do that. But it's not true because we don't know ourselves. So then we go back to how well do we know ourselves in terms of what we can do and what we can't? At this point in my life, as an older woman, there are things that I'd like to say I can do. You know, I like to jump in and say, oh, I can do that, because once I did do that, but I can't do that anymore. There's a certain level of humility. A friend of mine said that growing old is very humbling. <laughs> There's a level of humility when you realize you really, truthfully, cannot function in that capacity anymore. So you can't volunteer to do that. It's not possible. And there, that awareness that you talk about, or being the witness, is to see yourself and know what you can and cannot do. Therefore, you won't 
pledge yourself to do something that's impossible for you to do. So it goes back to self-aware, but not self-absorbed. That can be a fine distinction, especially if you're someone who says, the beginning of this year, I resolve to be less self-absorbed and more self-aware. You know the difference. That's well, what I would ask the person. <laughs> well, that is definitely easier said than done. Oh, my God. And I have to know the difference. Okay. How about you do some unpacking tonight, Rochelle? Okay. What's the difference? When you're self-aware, you're this witness that you talk about, you're watching yourself. And you're not watching yourself for medals or demotion for any particular reason other than to like watch where you're walking, so to speak, so you don't fall down. So you're watching yourself and you're paying attention to what you're saying. You're paying attention to what you're doing. And you're aware that you can do this, you can't do that. You could say this, but it's not going to bear fruit. I mean, you're just aware. You become the third eye, the eye between the eyes, in which you, without judgment, make assessments. I always think of like really good athletes. They miss a shot or something, and then they immediately, like they go through this thing so fast in their minds to know what they did that was not working, and they correct it. They don't hit themselves over the head. They just correct it. The next time they go for the shot, they know exactly how to move their body. So they're not sitting there, God damn, I didn't do that right. There's nothing like that. There's, there's no judgment in the witness. It reminds me when I wrapped a golf club around a tree as a little boy playing golf. Pretty good to wrap a It's, it's not easy to do. No, it wasn't. It was like a bow. <laughs> <laughs> if I could jump in here, this is Senator Beauregard. You're talking about, Rochelle, this whole issue of, uh, what were you just speaking of there, darling? You were saying... The witness, the third eye, the non-judgment. Well, I was about to say here, I like the idea of a witness. I was a witness at once in a trial of a man that I thought I saw stealing some chickens from over the ranch there. I was playing with chickens, and sure enough, there was seven, and then there was five. So someone running off, and they put me on the witness stand. I felt terrible for the fella, but I think he took off with two chickens. But those chickens ended up being delicious, by the way, because he brought them back cooked. (laughs) Well, he brought them back. (laughs) He did bring them back. I forgave them and ate them and enjoyed them. And that was something that was actually easier done than said. Oh, Professor Beauregard. Thank you, Professor. <laughs> he just got a lesson in forgiving he who steals your chickens as long as he brings them back cooked. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Inside Out, the Naked Truth. We're looking at this whole thing of New Year's resolution. I don't know if you make resolutions. I don't make resolutions anymore. I just feel like each day I resolve to be as integrous as I can. That's a resolution. And it doesn't have to be made once a year. It's made daily. For me, any resolution I make is made daily. And if I can get a few of them in in that day, that's great. And the next day I make the same resolution, and maybe I can get a few more in. But I feel eventually, before I leave this body, Maybe I can do it more than 50%, whatever I resolve. Part of it has to do with responsibility. I wrote this poem called I Am Responsible. 
I want to tell you a little story before I uh, share it. We did, for many years, conferences around the country for people in the recovery field, mostly the professionals who were dealing with recovery people. We did some of our performance pieces that were related to recovery, and we had done a workshop. Anyway, I, I was returned to one of the places we had done, like, the year before. And this man started talking to me, and it turns out he was the director of Boys Town. He talked about how much this I'm Responsible piece had meant to him, and especially one particular line. What was curious to me is the line that he mentioned, I spent quite a bit of time in rewriting the poem, trying to get rid of it and replace it <laughs> with something else. And I could never come up with another replacement from a writing point. And here he said that was his favorite line. Here he is, the head of Boys Town, <laughs> priest. It was a moment. So here's what I feel I am responsible for. This is a chance for me to practice, see how I've done in the years between the time I first said this poem and what's happening now. I am responsible. I am responsible for myself, for the way I think, the decisions I make, for the aftermath of my lusts and the consequences of my desires. I am responsible for the glad and the sad and the mad, for the hurt and the guilt and the joy. For the down and the up and the blasé And the many states I make that harass my soul and tickle my fancy And for what I do with my fear I am responsible for the sounds in my head And how I interpret them For giving voice to my convictions and erecting my boundaries for saluting my own authority in spite of how the world is bowing down. I am responsible for my fulfillment, for the dance I make as I wander through choice land, for making the most of wrong turns and misinterpretations for finding the new road when life appears opaque. I am responsible for each moment, for making sure it is lived, whether foolish or depressed, at least to know that I have been fully there, to cast off regret and to stare the future gratefully in the face. I am responsible for the people I pick, for how I see them, and for the way I hold them in my heart, for making the meanings out of the memories that we share. I am responsible for my stories, for seeing life as an unfolding, never-ending tale, 
for seeing the joke behind the choke. For receiving your stories with an open heart, though they haunt me with forlorn or plague me with regret. I am responsible for hanging the towels right, for washing the dishes, for taking out the trash and paying the bills, for recalling mom and dad once in a while with an understanding heart as I look over my shoulder at our shared journey, for redirecting my anger when you don't do what I want you to do, or at least to be mindful of my choice when I don't do these things. For finding out who is the I that decided when I chose not to sweep the floor. I am responsible for my children, for guiding them safely and heartily into possibility, for pointing out the landscape as we travel and the opportunities for transcendence, for the multivarious paths and how they might select the ones that suit them best. And then to stand aside and let them go, even if the road they choose clashes with my own most deeply felt beliefs. I am responsible for taking God's hand by opening my own, for looking beyond the lookable, stretching past perception, for cuddling inside the infinite when I feel lonely and lost. I am responsible for the world I make and how I change the other fellow's view by the me I make out of the turbulence of my life and the bounty of my love. I am responsible for my part of creation to see how it fits with the rest, for conjoining my brothers and engaging my sisters so that together evokes, and the beauty that emerges in the ways we can meet and the wake we leave behind. As we pass through responsibility, the gift, the opportunity, life bequeaths us to help us become who we are. That was really nice. I don't remember hearing that, or maybe I did hear it and it just was so long ago that I forgot the words. But I'd say that was a pretty good depiction of being responsible mm -hmm. and what you're responsible for. Mm -hmm. The lines that I was struggling to replace but couldn't, and which the director of Boys Town really appreciated, were the ones about hanging the towels right or washing the dishes, taking out the trash. I guess it's understandable, of course. Those are the most practical, probably, aspects of the poem. I think that irresponsibility is 
the biggest problem with not being able to do what you say. Mm-hmm. Irresponsibility. Mm-hmm. Not being responsible, you know. Responding to the call. You know, I, I feel that we're asked to do things. Within us, we're asked to do things. And without outside of us, we're asked to do things. And when we respond to that call, we are being responsible. If we choose not to respond to it, we're being irresponsible. And it's not like a bad thing. We're just not responding to the call. And every time we respond to the call, we grow. Something becomes bigger in us as a result of it. It's a very self-centered and immature stance to not take responsibility. This is Barney. Boy, that is so the case with so many people. I can see them there. I got buddies. And they do things. They just move along. They don't turn around and see the, the, the poopy that they left there smelling and other people got to clean up. Like organizations and leaders in the world and governments, they're doing the same thing here. They're plowing through life and using it up and discarding it and leaving it smelly and wasting it for other people going to have to deal with it. And it's just not a good thing at all. They give lip service. That's where the word lip service came in. You give lip to it, but it's not the way it is. You're not going to follow through necessarily. So lip service. They have a lip service. It's an app. You can download <laughs> and you can apply for the app, which is why they call it an app, I think. I never knew what was an app. You apply for it, and then you can get the lip service app. Actually, it's an application. Application. That is so clever. <laughs> app for application. That's good. That's very, that's like, <laughs> you know, that's uh, easier to say and to do. It was hard to do. It's easier to say than done because the download apps is something that caused me no end to befuddlement. I thought I had a lot of befuddlement available to me, but this is taking me beyond the available amount of befuddlement. If I could just say that. That would be easier said than done, for sure, to get beyond the befuddlement. Yeah. Well, thanks, Barney. As you were always talking about this, I realized that the basic responsibility is cleaning up after yourself. Uh-oh. And... When you do something, you clean it up, you put it back, put your toys away. When you learn to do these things, there's a thing I really need to find that says everything I needed in life I learned in kindergarten. It was a book, I think. Yeah, and all these different things that you learn to put your things away after you play with them, be kind to each other, all that stuff, you know, all the very basic things. But those basic things we need to constantly do in our lives because they teach us great responsibility. We have to start this whole process by waking up, and that's what Inside Out is about. So let's wake up, children. to the sky wake up children on the mountainside wake up children 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 in the valley low pack your bags it's time to go Wherever you go, wake up, children in the valley low. Wake up, children. 
every woman and man. Wake up, children, wake up, children, wake up, children, wake up, children, That was Wake Up Children by The Strangelings. <laughs> yeah, wake up, children. I'm excited about our potential. And like the promised land, there is a promise. We have been given a promise if we learn to how to decode it, because it could look mysteriously like not a good promise, a promise that things are going to get worse and bad. Chaos is always right around the corner. But as we approach and stay with putting things in unity, as we seek unity, as unity is achieved, as all this discrepancy is put together, then it begins to adhere to itself and the universe starts becoming alive in brand new forms. I love it when you say that. It's music to my ears. This is Father O'Malley. I love it the way every time we make a choice to see how things are connected. And especially the things that seem way far away from being connected and they even find their connection. It has been said by some that the uh, Christ presence that showed up as Joshua ben Joseph, uh, Jesus as he's more often referred to, was uh, someone who was able to recognize that very thing there. He brought those things together, the recognition of the sum of the being that he was there, and he opened the door there, the gate for others to walk into that exquisite place of self-integration. And he said, come on, this is the place, you can be a permanent part. I promise you that. He's someone that said, beyond the easier said than done, in his case, well, it might have been easier said than done, but he did it in spite of the difficulty. That's what's easier said than done. I feel all the time that it wasn't difficult because he knew that he could do it. And that's why he could say it. There, once again, is the witness. He was totally aware that he could do that. That's why he was able to say it. It didn't come like, I'm going to say this and then see if I can do it. He's like, I can do this, therefore I'm going to say it. <laughs> That's the place that I personally want to come from every day. What I say has to do with who I am. What I say I'm going to do has to do with knowing that I can do that. To me, that's a liberation from doubt. Let's hear it for liberation from doubt. Wow, to be liberated from doubt... But then you have to be conscious and aware what it is that you doubt. Mm -hmm. I remember reading in the Arantia book where it says, the believer's only battle is the battle against doubt, unbelief. But that implies one is a quote-unquote believer in the sense that you embrace with some degree of conviction and certainty that is 
infused with hope, or hope that is infused with a certain amount of certainty. As the recipe grows, the certainty grows, and the hope drops is less and less. I think that's why they said hope, faith, and love. Why that's the order. Because your certainty is growing. Hope is what opens the door to the possibility and keeps you open for it. And then, But faith is the practice of, of choosing it and choosing it over and over again, even when it doesn't feel like you're capable of choosing it, when it is so much easier said than done. And finally, there is the joining with whatever it is, the wholeness of it, the love, that place where we pass through in and out of each other. And the essential substance of life is being shared. Yummy. That isn't even easier said than done to me. No, it wasn't easy to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's much more difficult to say than it even is to do it. (laughs) If I could just jump in there for a moment, I wasn't sure that I'd have something to say. Anything I might say would be much easier than anything I might do. Seek to do with it, and I'm always perplexed by that gap, as you're referring to, what I'm saying, and I like to think I say it fairly well, actually, in my own way, but as well as I seem to say it, it doesn't seem to do me all that much good when it comes to doing it. <laughs> and so I'm trying to see if I can do it as well as saying it. I found, the little magic ingredient that I found is to pretend that I can do it and then act as if I could do it by pretending I can do it. And when I pretend, well, often as not, I find myself doing it. Sounds like something from the king and I. I think you whistle a happy tune in every single time. So you pretend you will be happy because you're pretending to be happy and then you are happy. (laughs) I love that musical, King and I, and I was always so impressed by that notion of whistling a happy tune. My problem is I can't whistle for the life of me, so I have to imagine the happy tune. Neither can I. So here's one thing, like, it was much easier to say I would whistle something than to actually do it until I realized that I couldn't whistle and then I had to confess. Mm-hmm. And confession is to, that you can't do something is really a big doing. Speaking <laughs> of confession, I feel like it's time for uh, getting naked on our show. We haven't done that in a while. Uh, let's just get naked and get down there. So what I have to confess as I take off my posturing and the ways I I try and get the world to value me, to overcome my sense that I don't have value, how I use situations in order to get praise for myself, in order to overcome those very doubts that you talked about. Ah, And that is a practice that I have to engage in. And that's to be conscious of when I'm betraying myself and allow it to be. Boy, that didn't seem very hard to take off. It didn't. (laughs) No. Well, they don't all have to be hard to take off. 
No, I guess not. Some of them can be like, you t- I took it off because I took it off last week, and it was okay. And this is just one more just time to take it off just to make sure it's it's I'm okay with it being off. You know, I, I am constantly uh, have to deal with feeling okay not to have people show up when I don't want them. Well, that was one thing. That was a perfect example of what I was talking about. You have an expectation that you should be able to say something uninterrupted. Nobody's going to show up or no horrible sound is going to show up. And there's this part of me that doesn't like it. I don't like it. You know, and I feel myself getting kind of like, uh, I feel like a cross old lady. And I wanted to stop and go away and I could almost scream. And I find myself having to work really hard at just getting centered and saying, you know, it's just sound that's taking place. This person has just entered your space. You can adjust and, you know, be there for them whenever they show up. And I have to work at it. But I do work at it. And that's the thing that I'm very aware that we are capable of working at it. We're capable of working for the best at all times. We, sometimes we just have to put our elbow to it and, you know, really push hard. But we are. We're, we're capable of doing the best we can do. You so. brought up the important word, we. We haven't talked about it. But it's much easier to go from saying to doing when we do it together, when we have support. And we need support. We are often very isolated in our quest to make our unique contribution. But it is each and every one of our unique contributions that is needed now. That every one of us provides a significant piece of the puzzle. Remember, if any piece of that puzzle is missing, well, then it's not done. I just said something about feeling uncomfortable or feeling something that's more negative than it is positive and realizing that I can work on it. That being responsible to yourself, to realizing that if you're having an upset, it's your upset, and you can change it. Easier said than done, though. Yes. But, Rochelle, to help us in this process, what do we need to remember? We need to remember that resistance is what we add to pain to make it last longer and hurt more. Hmm. Easier said than done. Mm-hmm. 